Well, we continue our series on the seven deadly sins. And uh, here's my question. Is anyone here feeling green? And I'm not talking about thumbs from all that gardening you're doing this time of year. Or uh, that feeling you may get when you are in a boat, hopefully not a lifeboat. But uh, I was thinking more like this guy. More like this guy, yeah. Have you ever feel like him? See, it's not easy being green. Isn't that what Kermit said? It's not easy. And so here you have poor Mr. Grinch. Here he is up on the mountain looking down at the people of Whoville. He's smug and rotting on the inside. Has hate and disdain for these poor little Who people. And he wants nothing more than to sabotage their joy. I know it's not Christmas time, but can we get into the whole Grinch spirit here? See, whoops, let's go back. Let's go back. There we go. All right. See, we think what he really wanted was to silence the Who's, but that's not really what, what it was. He didn't actually even want the Who's to be joyless. Now it's reconnecting. Okay. I went from two sets of notes to one set of notes to no set of notes back to one set of notes. All right. But what to now two sets of notes? So what, what the Grinch really wanted, though, he, was, he didn't want to sabotage them. He wanted the joy that the Who's had. He wanted what they had in their life. What really made his heart two sizes too small, what really made the Grinch green was envy. He wanted what they had. So, what is envy? An old professor of mine, he wrote a little book on seven deadly sins, and he said, envy is the the desire to own the good fortunes of others and wishing they did not have what they have. Or as the Kellers point out, envy is being unhappy at other people's happiness. Envy weeps because of those who are rejoicing and rejoices if they are weeping. It is the exact opposite of the godly state of mind. So envy differs in jealousy in this. Jealousy tends to be, have more to do with relationships. Uh, you know, we desire a person or affection. We want something uh, from that person. Where envy leans more towards status and possessions. Envy is a deep longing, uh, a deep longing for the advantages of others. Neither are good, but today we are going to talk about envy. Okay? In the book of James, he writes this. Who is wise and understanding among us? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, 
do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. James implores us here to be wise, uh, to know humility. And the way we know that humility comes from wisdom. He talks about how those who have advantages that we don't, we need wisdom when looking at them, especially wisdom from others. So when we are looking at wisdom of others, the perfect example in the scriptures is the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, the writer's supposed to be wise. Uh, I think much like our lives, he has pursued many things. He has toiled and strived and pushed to possess everything that he could. Anything that anyone else could, he wanted it. And he got it and found that in the end it was or not. It didn't matter. See, we can be envious of the advantages of others while not realizing that it doesn't solve or fill the void in our lives. We can long for these things, but just like the writer of Ecclesiastes in the end, he says, meaningless, meaningless, all meaningless. The food's like dust in my mouth. I had it all. It didn't matter. See, there isn't an end. There is always something else to be grasped. There is never a point when you have everything of everything and your pursuit of it will drive you mad. Now, maybe, uh, I think we do need to hear this wisdom for our lives. And, and we need to stop the pursuit. And while maybe as we sit in the room, we may not have this to the extreme, right, where we're, sacrificing everything. We may have moments when we say, well, if only I had this, that, or the other thing then. In those moments, we're allowing envy to come in. We're envying a situation. If only I had this. Well, it's not talking about like if you're like trying to put together a bike and you said, if only I had a wrench and not a hammer. Right? That's different. But there's things in life where, right, if only my car was, if only my house, if only my spouse, if only my job, if only my parents had, if only my shoes were, if only this, that, or the other thing. And that, that's not a healthy place to find ourselves. We get that stuff inside us and it festers. And we want to obtain what we desire. What ends up happening is we end up sabotaging relationships with people who may have those things that we desire because resentment gets in it. We, we see this in business and politics, right? Envy and people sabotaging each other because they want what the other person has. Maybe you even see it in your workplace. Well, I think if we look close enough, we can see it in relationships between people. You can see it with spouses sometimes. We certainly can see it with the Grinch. The poor Grinch looking down, he, he didn't know what he was missing because he wanted what they had and wanted to destroy them because he wanted it. 
rather than come close to them and learn. You know, envy drives us to hate. And it's usually because we want something that the other people have. Much of the hate comes in our life from this place. We desire something that they do. They have something that we want, or vice versa. And I think that's why it's the most sinister of the sins. It undermines, it sabotages, and it's an outright, it outright defies people. Because it moves us to a place where we want to get what we want. Uh, Millie says again, it's at its best and become, causes depression. At its worst, it plots revenge. And so, what is the envy that you harbor? Is it opportunity, job, possession, money, family? Is it status? Is it a relationship? A list could go on and on. We could, des we could desire anything. Maybe you desire to sit at the table over here. You're like, oh, I got stuck at the table over there. That would be silly to be envious over that. Maybe you see Kelly's mask and you're like, man, I wish I had a mask like that. I don't know. Could be anything. Big, small, but none of it is healthy. Why do we feel the need that we need something else in our life to make us whole? Because that's really what it is. We're desiring something else and if only I had that, then. This is the exact lie that the serpent gives in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, why do you need something else? Well, the serpent says you need to it because that is what makes you whole. That is what makes you happy. And the, ser the serpent in Genesis 3 becomes the first advertiser. As I wrote in my critically acclaimed book, uh, best seller in Timberley. Look more beautiful, buy this. Be stronger, drink this. Be envied, wear this. Be powerful, eat this. According to the serpent, Adam and Eve could finally find the fulfill that fulfillment. All they had to do was have a little taste of the fruit. The fruit God told them to refrain from eating. Genesis 3 tells us that Eve believed the serpent ate the fruit and gave some to Adam and brought deadly consequences on us all. What are these deadly consequences? The deadly consequences is believing the lie, the lie that we aren't who God says we are, that God's lying to us. We aren't very good. We aren't made in the image of God. The lie is believing that somehow we can do something to fill up our life through our own devices to achieve this very good ideal that we seek. We pick and prod at our faces. We buy clothes we cannot afford. We work to keep up appearances. We strive for status and power. We get rich or die trying. And so it becomes this endless pursuit. I want this. I want what they have. I want it that way. All the while, we end up dying on the inside. We drown ourselves 
with resentment toward those who have what we want, and our pride becomes a weight around our ankles, dragging us down into the depths. But you will never be able to sail in life, enjoying the adventures, if you allow your pride to keep you on the rocky shores of envy. Now, maybe you're saying, well, envy's not a big deal. You know, I'm not killing anyone or exploiting. I'm not hurting anyone. And this is where you're wrong. There is nothing in life that doesn't affect someone else. Everything in your life affects someone else. Take for a moment a local example. Let's think of junky gyms. Here we are. Hey, hey, these are my batteries. These are my transformers. They are in my yard. They don't affect you. But what we know, the stuff we keep in our life ends up leaking out. It gets deep. It goes wide. And we know the devastating effects in the area because people thought, well, it's mine, it's in my yard, it doesn't affect you. And so it is in our own lives. Think of, uh, you know, a big excuse alcoholics use is, well, it's my body, it doesn't affect you. But we know it affects the whole family. It affects everyone. And so it is with everything in our life. Everything that we bring in, the good and the bad, doesn't just affect us. It affects those people who are near us. And if we let it go too far, it affects everyone else even far. You know, our secrets will only be secret for so long. And maybe they will not be shouted from the rooftop. But it affects how we interact with people, how we hear things, the way we, uh, you know, encounter relationships. Our secrets will hurt us. And envy, it's like that. It's inside, and it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts everyone. If we don't treat the envy in our hearts seriously, at the first sign, it will seep deep, and it will spread wide. Envy is never not a big deal, especially because it always starts small, right? It starts small. Sometimes it's just, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. But it spreads and it corrupts. Think of this... Uh, reason why we wear masks, right? Affects one person, but it can spread so easily, and so it is inside of us. It starts with, well, I wish I had, I don't know, I wish I had their shoes, and it's like, oh, I wish I had their life. I, and then you can end up having resentment toward that person, sabotaging them. You know, James tells us that envy is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it's demonic. That's how serious it is. We, we think of it as something small. But like all the other deadly sins, it is sinister and serious because envy is divisive. It's inherently divisive. You cannot draw close to someone when you 
are, feel entitled to what they have. We cannot draw close. Andy Stanley writes this. After all, it's not a relationship problem. It's one of those individual problems smuggled into the relationship. If I don't feel good about me, I can't let you feel too good about you. Since I can't pull me up, I'll find ways to drag you down. That's the way envy works. That's why it's relationally toxic. Unless we deal with it, it doesn't matter the relationship, whether it's a boss, a, a, a parent, a child, a spouse, a friend, a great uncle. Whatever the relationship, there is no hope for it to be healthy if there's a hint of envy in there. And it's not the other person who caused it. We are responsible for how we feel. It's only a you issue. It's something we have to deal with. I've seen it in relationships and that it affects them and what happens is the sabotage because you want something. Like marital relationships, people become envious of something their spouse has or does or, you know, and it gets in there and it unwinds it and it pulls it until the other person is in the mud too. No relationship can be healthy unless the individual admits and deals with the envy. So how do we deal with it? First, grace. We need the grace of God. You know, shame can maybe help us recognize that there is something wrong, but it is not helpful for change. And we have to realize we are not perfect, but God loves us regardless. There's no place for shame. Shame locks us down, but grace moves us forward. And that's what we have to do. We need to move forward. Grace isn't saying, however, that there's nothing wrong. Grace is about admitting that there is something wrong. And it's knowing that there's nothing you can do to fix it. Grace is about giving yourself to God and letting God be the one who changes you. Grace is about brushing yourself off, saying this mistake that I did, this is not who I am. I will do better. I am a child of God. I think it's one of the most important things we need to do to overcome envy in our life. So when we have those feelings, being able to admit the wrong, relying on God's grace, and saying, no, because of the grace of Christ, this is not who I am. I'm something different. I am not these feelings. I am a child of God. And, and that's every sin, but I think specifically with envy as well. Now there's a, a couple of practical things we can do. Accountability. Accountability is huge. We need to find people we can trust, people who we will listen to, and people who we will not be defensive with. Envy is hard to see in the mirror. It, it's hard to look at ourselves and be like, hey, I'm envious. But what you can see is the signs of those things. 
those things working in our lives, we can see the result of it. You know, like, so I'm going to talk about my house for a moment. There's a leak in the house. Can't really see the water unless you're looking in the right place. But do you know what you can see? You can see the results of the water, right? What, wherever it is, you can see the results. It's, it's not, you may not be able to see it coming in, but you can see the effects of it. And so this is the great thing about inviting other people in because they have an outside perspective. And when we ask someone for their input, we open ourselves up for God to speak uh, through them to us. It's this life of following God, it's not just about you and what God wants to do for you. It's about us and what God is saying to us and how we are in this together. And so we need each other. Andy Stanley tells us again, public celebration is the best way to bridle the envy and jealousy that reside in your heart. Public praise is huge. So, you know, say I want Kelly's mask because it's so nice. I can be like, I love your mask, right? And it stops me from sabotaging her, having bad feelings toward her. We find other things to say, hey, that's great. We celebrate that person. But we need to do so from a place of genuine joy, all right? It's, this isn't about putting on a face, being fake. Remember that joy, we're not talking about like happy. Joy is a choice. We choose to be joy. I could be miserable, but I can still have joy. Joy is something I choose to have. I may not like what's going on, I can choose to say, hey, I'm going to be joyful in what I do. And I think when we begin to praise others, when we step into that place of genuine joy for another person, oh, they get that promotion that I wanted. Good for you. You want, you deserve it. You have nice hair, right? Like, find that one thing that you can celebrate and celebrate it. Because it moves the focus past you. It's not all about you. Like as important as all this new self-help and focus on you stuff is, it is important. But at the same time, it's also a dangerous trap where we become so insulated, so focused on us that we have no perspective on anything else in the world. And we put ourselves in this hole and we look over the fence and we say, oh, man, I wish my life was like theirs. But you don't know their life. You don't know what's going on in their life either. We have to remember that envy is a form of selfishness. It's, it's an entitlement. I want it. We need to move ourselves out of selfishness and focus more on generosity, graciousness, and gratitude. These things are huge. Graciousness, generosity, and gratitude. 
Because these are the things that say, hey, it's not about me. It's about us. We, we need to take the focus from ourselves off and on everyone. Everyone. Us in the whole. Because it's only when we can see past our perceived needs and experiences that we can end up having healthy lives and relationships. Because we'll just be stuck and be selfish and want what we want. It's not about only what we want. It's about what moves us forward. Envy says that we deserve what we want. But I don't know. I want some things that I didn't deserve. Can we be honest? Have you ever wanted something you didn't deserve? I want a Porsche. I don't deserve it. I need to find a new line of work if I want a Porsche. No, but there, but there are other things in life. But there are times when, say, in work, we want the recognition, the promotion, or whatever. But if we were actually to be brutally honest, there are times where we don't deserve it. We just want it. We want a relationship with someone. But maybe we don't deserve it because we're not in that place. Well, most of, you know, it's uh, whatever it is. We have to find ourselves in the right place place but I think in order to get there we need to look at why do we feel we need what we want because I think it comes down to how we perceive our worth to be because our worth isn't determined by our possessions it's not determined what people have said what people are saying it's not determined by your status or job or anything else you can think about. Your worth is determined by God. And God has said that you are infinitely important. You are so important that God himself came, put on human flesh, laid aside his divine right, show us how to live and love and gave his life so that we can have life. God allowed us to do the, our worst to him so he could do his best for us. There is no need for us to accept the death that envy brings. Because we have grace. And grace is something we didn't deserve, but God has freely given us. We can walk in the fullness, the fullness of life that God brings. So today, let's deal with the envy in our hearts and seek wisdom and grace. Let's not accept it. Let's not think it's not a big deal. But let's see the magnitude of our brokenness and how it sows, the brokenness that it sows into our relationship. Today, let's see ourselves for who and what we really are, children of God, Though we are broken, God has come and we have found hope and love and security in Jesus. Today, let's find life in God. All right, question and response time. Question, clarity on something. Want to push back? We have a mic that will stay the safe distance from you. And uh, just put your hand up and it will come by. 
All right, let's continue on. The point. Point one. We need to walk in humility. Walk in humility. We have to be willing to admit that we are broken. We have to be willing to admit that there could be something wrong. That's the only way we're going to invite someone in to look. It's the only way we're going to seek wisdom from other sources is if we're willing to admit that we're not perfect. So humility is key. Two, we have to realize that pride, pride, envy affects every relationship, okay? Every, everything that we do, envy can get in there. It doesn't, it's not just, hey, it only affects me. It affects everything. And three, God loves you. And I think that's important to remember, especially when we're thinking about things like envy. We, we don't envy something because we think we're the best. Even if we do think we are the best and we think we deserve it, that is always coming from a place of brokenness, right? It's our thinking we're the best is usually a compensation for, unless we are actually clinically psychopaths. Any psychopaths in the room? Okay, good. We don't have to raise your hand. I know. I know who is. Just me. All right. But, you know, we, when we are infinitely broken, we need to know that God loves us. We can't move forward in the grace of God unless we know that God loves us, despite us. All right. Let's pray. Lord, lift you up. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you've come for us, that you uh, have showed us the way, that you don't leave us in the rotting greenness of envy, but you have come to give hope life. In your holy name, amen.